0: Sometimes in life, we have really low expectations. Isn't that the case? Maybe you're heading to a football match, and you say to the person that you're going with, I don't think this will be much of a game. I'm not, by the way, singling out Ballymena United supporters today, although I have heard many of you say that at times when you're about to head off to a match, but it could be any team. Or sometimes you you ring up a helpline and you know the way you're put on hold and whoever's in the house with you, you say to them, I'm hoping they can help, but I'm, I'm not holding my breath. Or maybe you go out for a meal and you go to a really fancy restaurant and as you're looking at the other tables, as you do and you try and do that reasonably subtly, but you're looking at the food arriving at other tables and you lean across to the people you're with and you say, we might need to stop off at the chippy on the way home. Our expectations are low, but I want to ask you today, what do you expect to happen here in church? What do you reckon will be the outcome of this service? And more specifically, what do you expect to be the result of this sermon that I'm beginning to preach? What do you think this sermon will do for you and in you and for those who are seated around you here in this building today. Because we can have very low expectations when it comes to hearing God's Word. And what can result from that is that for those of us who are preachers and who are leaders within the church, we can have a loss of confidence. I'm really not sure what's going to happen we don't seem to be having any impact, we don't seem to be making any difference, and we lose our confidence. And for some people who come and listen to a sermon, there is maybe a lack of desire. There is, on your part, a really low expectation that anything in particular is going to happen. As this guy stands at the front and speaks for 20 25 minutes or so about the Bible. But think about it today. If the Bible really is God's Word to us, if this is God telling us what He is like and who He is and what He has done for us and what He wants us to be like, and if the gospel Really is God's good news to us, then that means that this will come from God to us with real power and that it will bring about change in our lives. It will have an impact. It will change people's hearts as they hear God's message to them. And if God and if Jesus is really continuing to be at work in His church, as we have been thinking about in recent weeks, as we've started looking together again at the book of Acts? Well, then there will be a real impact as the Holy Spirit that He promised works in the lives of people, helping them to understand and to accept the good news about Him. So, today we're going to spend some time looking at the impact the Word of God had on those who heard it in a place called Pisidian Antioch, that day when Paul preached in the synagogue. And we'll get to see that the gospel has an impact. And I hope that that truth will encourage us today as a gospel church, as a church where we want to see other people being changed by Christ, and we want to make the good news of Jesus known to them. So I invite you to turn with me again in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. And before we look at these final verses, it's so important to recap on what it was that we read last week, so that we're reminded of that message that Paul preached in the synagogue that day, and so that we're ultimately reminded of the gospel. The good news of what God has done through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And hopefully you can remember the golden opportunity that came Paul's way when he and his fellow missionaries turned up at the synagogue to worship God. Remember the invitation that Paul is given in verse 15 from the synagogue leaders. Look at that verse again. Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people please speak. These people wanted and needed to be encouraged. And they were about to hear the most encouraging message of all, the best news that they could ever hear. They were about to hear the gospel, that good news of what God has done through His Son Jesus. So, that Paul reminded them of God's care. He took them back through the story of the Old Testament. And as these people were Jews, this was their story. And he reminded them how in the past, God had done so much for His people. He had chosen them to be His special nation. He had prospered them during their time in Egypt. And then when things got tough and He let them go from Egypt, He then put up with them as they constantly turned away from Him and His law. And He provided for His people. He gave them the the rulers that they needed, firstly judges and then kings. And last week we recognized that if we begin to see God's care in our life, it will lead to us trusting Him and loving Him more. But Paul also shared with them the good news of God's rescue, that during that time in the history of God's people, He also delivered them. He was the one who got them out of Egypt. And He was the one who enabled them to take the land that He had promised by defeating their enemies. And that story of God's people reminds us of the lengths that God goes to to save His people. It reminds us, and this is really the story of the Old Testament, that God loves to save His people. And ultimately, this good news was about God's Son, and it was summed up in what Paul said in verse 23. He said, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as He promised. And Paul spelt out what was so good about Jesus, that Jesus is the only one qualified to be our Savior, because He is the one who lived the life the perfect life that you and I could never live. That He is the one who, when He was sent to the cross and died, then conquered death in great power. And that He is the one who does what we can never do. And we'll think more about that in our time spent in God's Word today. So, last time we finished in verse 41 at the end of Paul's sermon. But the question is, what happened next? Did the preaching that day, did God's Word, did the gospel of Jesus Christ have an impact? Well, absolutely. And as we think about that impact now, the big thing for us to keep in mind is that there are two very different responses to the gospel. But either side of thinking about those contrasting responses, I want us to look at two particular phrases in this passage. First of all, in verse 43, look at that verse again. Luke tells us that many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. And it's that final phrase that I want us to think about for a moment, to continue in the grace of God, because it's a wonderful phrase, and it's great advice from Paul. As we look at this passage, something that we need to recognize about the ministry of God's Word is that it is a process. It is not just a single moment. The people Paul had been preaching to were God-fearing people. They were Jews or people who had converted to Judaism, as we're told in verse 43. So, these were people who were aware of who God is, of what God was like, and how they should respond to Him. But here's the big thing to notice about how these people approached the Word of God. It wasn't just a case of turning up at church, hearing a sermon, and then that was that. No, you get to see that there is a process here. Once Paul has preached, look at what happens next, the process, beginning in verse 42, that they invited Paul and Barnabas to speak further. You know, usually people are going out of church and they're thinking, well, that was more than enough for one day. But they're saying, no, we actually want to hear more. We haven't had enough of God's Word. And the process then continues in the following verse, in verse 43, that they talked with them about what they heard. They weren't just talking about the weather or about what they were going to have for dinner. They were talking about deep stuff. And the process goes on in verse 44, that they then gathered again to hear God's Word, that this was a continuing thing. So we get to see that God's Word was having an impact. It was doing something in the lives of these people. And they themselves had the right approach to God's Word. It wasn't a case of heard and quickly forgotten. No, this was a process. And I reckon that provides a real challenge and also an encouragement to us when it comes to how we approach not only God's Word, but all of the things that the Lord has given us to grow in Him, what we describe as the means of grace. So, let me ask you some challenging questions as we look at the example of these people today. Do you listen to the Word of God as it's preached, but then straight away you put it out of your mind? You move on with your life as if You'd never heard it at all. That by the time you're leaving the car park, what has been proclaimed from God's word is right out of your mind. Or are you doing what Paul urges us to do in this passage? Are you continuing in the grace of God? Are you availing of the means of grace and making the most of opportunities to be together with other believers? Or does your discipleship, your faith, really just amount to one hour a week? We have talked a lot in this series about raising the spiritual temperature in this place, raising the spiritual temperature in our lives. So let's continue in the grace of God. But then we see two very different responses to the gospel in the final part of this passage in verses 45 through to 52, for some of the Jews, their response was rejection and opposition. Look at what happens. We're told of them in verse 45 that they talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then by verse 49, it had ramped up. They incited hatred against the missionaries. And in verse 50, they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. They had it in for them. And why? What was their problem with what had been preached? After all, it is the gospel. It is good news. Well, to understand their problem, we need to look back at one of the particular things that Paul said. Look back again at verse 39. And I'll read this verse using the more recent translation of the NIV. And this is Paul speaking about the Lord Jesus, and he says of Jesus that through Him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. And essentially what Paul is saying there is, only Jesus can do for you what you could never possibly do for yourself. He alone can help you out. He alone can save you. You cannot save yourself. And for these Jewish people who took seriously the law of Moses, who sought to live by the law of Moses as a way of making themselves right with God, that was not a popular message. And still today, people don't like to be told that they can't do something for themselves. I'll sort out my own life I'll put things right myself. Even with God, I'll get that sorted. And yet the gospel says you can't. Only Jesus can. So, one response was hostility and opposition and rejection. But then from the Gentiles who were gathered in that city, there was a very different response. It was one of joy and obedience. Paul in his sermon and after his sermon talks about how salvation was now available to them as Gentiles through the Lord Jesus. And what was their response? Well, look at verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed a very different response, one of joy. This message is for us. Jesus has done this for us. And one of obedience, where they honored, do you hear that word? They honored the Word of the Lord. They elevated the importance of God's Word to them. And do you notice that phrase that Luke uses of these people? He says of them all Who were appointed for eternal life believed. And that phrase is entirely consistent with all that is taught in the scriptures about the the gift of salvation. Remember that the Lord Jesus himself said of his disciples that they had not chosen him, he had chosen them. And yet, despite all that we read in scripture, despite what Jesus himself says, some people think this idea to be unfair and troubling, whereas I would actually argue it is incredibly comforting because I know that if salvation, my salvation, was down to me and my right choices, my relationship with God would be on really shaky ground. But knowing that it is His sovereign choice Gives his people great security. And I want you to see in this passage that, in the midst of all of the mystery of this, one thing is very clear those who were not saved in this city were not saved because of their rejection of the good news of Jesus. Paul says of them in verse 46 that they consciously, they deliberately, rejected the gospel of Jesus and the gift of eternal life. So what about you? Because throughout the ministry of Jesus here on earth, as it's recorded in the gospels and throughout the continuing work of Jesus, as it's recorded in this book of Acts, there were always two responses to the good news about Him. But let's end by thinking about a phrase in the final verse of this chapter. And it's a a phrase that may surprise us, given some of the stuff that we read here. We get to see how persecution begins for Paul and Barnabas from those who rejected the gospel. And yet, despite that persecution, two things to note. In verse 49, we're told... The Word of the Lord spread through the whole region. So, the work of Jesus continued, and it had success. And then, verse 52, we're told right at the end of this long chapter, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And that's the last thing that you would expect to hear when you hear talk about persecution. Persecution when you hear about people suffering for their faith, that they were full of joy. How is that even possible? Well, we think of the words of James, in James chapter 1, where he, he talks to his fellow believers about counting it a joy when you face trials. Because he explains that those trials help us to mature as believers in Christ. And for these believers, knowing Jesus was the only thing that counted. Knowing Jesus was more precious to them than anything else. And they saw the worth of that in their lives every single day. How about us? We can have great confidence in the gospel, we can have real confidence that when God speaks, His Word does have an impact. And I pray that it will have an impact on your life today, not just during the last bit of this service, but beyond the time that we spend here and throughout this week and into eternity. Amen. And so it changes our approach and it changes our priorities when we know Jesus and when we know His strength